Looking like an angel with no halo When I'm with her, tell me where the pain go Think I might be falling out of control What the fuck do I know? Maybe I should let it go Alright, what's going on my people? I guess it is time to start this episode. I've been uh, in the studio now for probably a half hour and I just got completely lost in the world of uh, MMA and NFL. So, you know, per usual, if you listen to podcasts, you know that's the usual what I'm fucking doing. But anyway, before we get into this episode, let me go ahead and give y'all a couple things right up front. Um, to look forward to or things that we have going on right now. Um, firstly, right off the bat, because it's a limited time, so I'll get this one out first. Um, if you are a, you know, jujitsu practitioner or really, realistically, if you do any sort of, um, sport or working out where you wear like compression gear, then right now, uh, Fuller's House has done a collab with my uh, sister and brother-in-law's gym and the gym I train at, Wolf Den MMA. We're doing a little uh, collaboration with some uh, to make some rash guards. And so right now, if you go to the, I've shared it and uh, full, uh, what is it, Wolf Den has shared it. My sister, everybody shared it on Facebook. So. If you want to uh, find it and figure out how to order those, go to Facebook, Instagram, go to my uh, Instagram, or go to Wolfden MMA's Instagram, and we have, um, I guess, uh, Fuller's House first official piece of merchandise, I guess, but it's um, a collaboration with the gym, with uh, Wolfden MMA, so we have Fuller's House rash guards long sleeve and short sleeve if you train um in jiu-jitsu um i don't it hasn't been posted yet it might be posted today because this podcast comes out monday so by the time you're listening to this this it might be posted we are doing uh so we first came out with just just black ones they're like black um they had some white emblems on like the sides, and it's got like the Fuller's House on the chest and the back. Uh, the catchphrase, you know, allegedly, I say that all the time, so that's on there. Um, we had just the black ones, and now I believe by the time this episode comes out, we're we're gonna post uh, that we have ranked rash guards as well. So if you're a blue belt, it'll have like blue sleeves, uh, purple belt, purple sleeves, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so, if you want to support the podcast, support Wolfden MMA, go ahead. And like I said, you don't have to be a jiu-jitsu person to order one of these. If you do any sort of like working out or anything where you wear compression gear, this is a great, um, great way to get you some compression gear and then support, you know, support me and the podcast and um, the gym as well. So, definitely get one. Oh, we have short sleeve and long sleeve. So, Definitely get with me or uh, message uh, Ruben on you know Facebook or Instagram. He'll he'll help you order one. Um, anyway, so there's that, and then also um, January twenty second is your boy's birthday, and oh that oh hold on. So the rash guards 
the chance to order them, that ends on the 21st is when he's going to put the order in. So if you want one, get it before the 21st or order it before the 21st, whatever. Get with Ruben. Um, anyway, January 22nd, your boy's birthday. We're doing a fight companion for the um, for the Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gon UFC event. And we are going to more than likely I've, I've live streamed two of them I believe I don't know regardless I'm going to try to live stream it if I can figure out this little software that I have I'm going to try to live stream it if I can't live stream it for whatever reason um, I'll be going live periodically on uh, my phone and I'll hook up my phone to our TV so we can kind of uh, interact with people who are watching and listening that type of stuff that actually might be the better option um, is just to go live on the phone. I'll see how the audio is. I don't know. It's going to take some figuring out. But anyway, with that being said, we're going to go live. Um, more than likely going to go live January 22nd for a fight companion, UFC 270, something like that. It wasn't whatever. Um, so be on the lookout for that too. Those are usually fun. They run long as fuck. Even if you don't catch it live, the episode's going to come out Monday like always. But um, they're always super fun. They run long because we sit here and watch the entire main card of the UFC. So, it you know, they go two, three, sometimes four hours depending on how long the fight card goes on. Um, if you do end up watching it, don't expect a ton of fight commentary because it usually, even if that's the plan... We usually end up talking about, you know, some crazy off-the-wall Scientology fucking conspiracy theory stuff. So, you know, if you're looking for, like, a live, like, commentary with a good, well-thought-out breakdown, it's not the place. It's not the place. But if you just want to watch some people trip the fuck out oil watch fights and, uh, you know, kind of give, like, a live reaction and talk about some interesting stuff, not just fight-related, this is where you want to come. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get into the episode. So, what has been going on? Let's see. Um, first, I want to give a shout out to um, my buddy Corey Beasley in the Brew and Bullshit podcast. He had me on as a. Um, this kind of goes into with um, what I was saying about the live stream. So, I guess that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, he had me come be a uh, co-host on his podcast. He was hosting some guys from Hop Avenue Brewery. And uh, hopefully, I'm going to get with those guys and hopefully maybe they can, uh, we can work out some little deal for the, for the live fight companion. So, but regardless, whether we work out a deal with them or not, uh, as far as like, you know, maybe try and get some beer from them and I'll talk about their brewery or, you know, we'll figure something out. But super cool guys. Super cool guys. Definitely set up for um, success and they have something for y'all to definitely look out for. You know, if you like to go out and drink and or you're like, a, you know, a beer person, then uh, you should be excited because these guys are coming to uh, Bridge City. You know, I'll, I'll go over all this more. Maybe I might even have them on a... a an episode we'll we'll see how it goes but um yeah they're bringing something to 
they're bringing something to Southeast Texas that I think um, is kind of missed a little bit. Like people in this area, and it, it, it might be missed for a reason. You know, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, it, everybody in this area had like you have your bar that you go drink at, and like bars are all the same. You know, they're all dark. Fucking the floor is sticky. Like it's, they're all you know. Weird. I don't know. I don't know how to explain. I, I, I've never been the bar type of person. I was whenever I was in high school, which doesn't make sense because I couldn't drink. But uh, you know, you figure it out. Pre-game and all that type of stuff. But regardless, um, I was. Oh my god, this guy got knocked out. Sorry, I'm watching an old UFC card, so uh, forgive me if I get off track. But that's what I do every episode anyway. So fuck it. Um, anyway, yeah, I was never really a bar person. I haven't really liked, like, going out to bars and stuff. It's like, it just seems like, especially around here, we got fucking rednecks and stuff around here who just, like, they go looking for a fight, and it's just, like, I've been in situations where, like, or, well, I'll just give you an example. I've, we, we used to go out to the Crockett Street whenever Crockett Street was actually, like, a thing. And uh, we used to go to Crock Street and just, like, bar hop. we just go from bar to bar to bar. And, um, you know, every now and then, like, we would have, like, a friend who was a bartender who would help hook us up, get us drinks or whatever. And um, so I remember one time I was at Dixie, which, red flag already. If you're going to Dixie and you're worried about somebody, you know, start or not worried, but, like, you don't want to deal with, like, the whole somebody starting a fight with you, don't go to Dixie. Because that's where all the rednecks hang out that just want to fight, or for or want to like show how tough they are. I guess I don't know, but anyway, I remember going up to going up to the bar one time to get a drink, and I still I'm not exactly sure what I did. I think I bumped somebody's drink with my elbow whenever I was like back, like whenever I was coming off, and it I'm assuming I hit it with my elbow or something. It knocked it on the floor, and some guy splashed on his boots his jeans, whatever, and he, like, got in my face and was, like, pissed, and I'm, like, dude, fucking accident, man, like, to to most normal people, that's, like, oh, no big deal, it was an accident, sorry, and he's, just like, it was, like, a problem, I was, like, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you, you know, I was kind of, like, sorry, accident, walked off, whatever, it didn't become a thing, but, like, the way I, the type of person I am, like, even that little, that little conversation and that little instance, like, I don't even want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. So I'm, I'm not really a bar person. I, just, I don't know. I just don't like the vibe. It's got to be like if it to me. Like a nice like chill place where you can like have drinks and just like have a good time and not work like not have to deal with like the drunk assholes that just are being loud, obnoxious. And that that's where you want to be. or That's where I want to be at least. And um, so anyways, these guys at Hop Avenue, they're like the um, from what I got from doing co-hosting Corey's podcast it was um I was impressed man these two guys they're like the they're like the dream team if you want to if you were wanting to set up a uh a successful brewery if you're gonna do it you want to you want to have this these two guys there the uh there's one guy Donnie who he seems to be the uh the business mind behind it he's start he's started and run still has successful uh construction business and um, he's just the 
the business mind, very detail oriented, uh, seems very professional about his stuff. And then he's got the the Tom Brady of uh, brewing beer, and this guy who's been doing it forever. And he he was brewing at a plate at a brewery in um, I think in Lake Charles. And he, I guess they made they made some good deal with each other, or whatever. And he brought him over, and so now you got the you got the Tom Brady of brewing beer, and then the uh, the great business uh, attention to detail mind out there. So. They teamed up and they're going to open this place called Hop Avenue. I think they're looking forward to opening in March. I'm not sure, but I th- I'm pretty sure he said they're aiming for March. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to give this area something that's been missing as far as like, you know, every, like I said, everywhere you go around here, it's like, 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 let's be honest, the places that you go to drink, if you're going to be around here, you're going to go to, you're going to go to uh, Brick and Barley. Shady as fuck. Um, Spanky's kind of an older crowd, but still, you know, dark, shady bar. It's not not that great. Uh, there's not... There, how do I put it? There's not anything to... The activity when you go to a bar... The activity when you go to a bar is standing and drinking. That's... Like, the bars that we do have around here, even, uh, even High Tide's. Even high tides, like they they're even better than a, like most bars. But even them, like they're open, they're open to like the weather and shit. So like, if it's cold, it's you're not having a good time. You have to go to the upstairs bar. But and up there, then the activity becomes standing and drinking. So, um, the bars in this area, the, I mean, not that you're going there to not drink, but that's what you go there and you're there to drink, and that's the end of it. But uh, this brewery, it's kind of like. I look at breweries the way I look at, uh, that word is kicking my ass. Um, I look at them the way I look at like wineries. Like you see, they seem like they're going to have like a little bit of an older crowd, more mature crowd. Um, you don't have to deal with like the young fucking cocky asshole type. I, I don't know that, as you can tell, that type of shit drives me nuts. But, um, yeah, they're going to have, you know, a, uh, outdoor patio area with games and shit, music, a bunch of different beers on tap. I think they said they're going to start with 12, with 12 of their own signature beers that they've made. So, um, he's wanting to do food as well. So it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good deal. But anyway, hoping to work something out with them. But yeah, I went and co-hosted Corey's podcast. Great time. Great guys. Um, and what the fuck else? Oh, fucking work, man. So, just to kind of keep y'all in the loop, not that y'all care, but just, you know, I talk about my personal life on here a lot and stuff that I'm going through and stuff that I'm doing. And right now, I've got, and, you know, obviously I've given up caring if my coworkers listen to this, but I, um, I've gotten to the point now with my current job that, um, I just don't see much of a future for me there as far as like um, as far as like advancement and stuff like that you know I the fact that the fact that I've made it as high as I have there with zero literally zero college under my belt the last I, I went to college I went to Lamar Orange one time to tour it in like eighth grade 
or freshman year or some shit. I went to tour Lamar College in Orange, and that's literally the last time I've been to a college. I never, you know, never went to school. So the fact that I've made it as far as I have there with zero college background is already impressive in and of itself. Uh, you know, I'm one of the educators there now, so like, you know, the fact that I'm even where I'm at is, you know, a, really a blessing to even be that far. But with that being said, there's not much further I can go without going to school. And um, I, so I've thought about, I thought about going to school for, you know, like nursing or something to break, to advance me a little bit further. But when I really sit down and think about it, it's just not something I'm, I want to do forever. It's not something that I would enjoy. Even, even the higher up positions, they don't seem somewhere. I was somewhere I would be happy doing that. You know, it's it's higher up. It's more pay. It's different hours. Whatever. Who cares? At the end of the day, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't feel fulfilled there. I would be. I would. I would go to school, pay. You know, all that money, put myself in debt for student loans and all this shit, for me to sit there and be like, okay, I've got this new position. And I'm going to be bored and miserable again. And, or not miserable, but... Because I'm not miserable right now. I do I do like my job right now. It's just... I've, I've gotten used to everything that I've... The, everything that I deal with. But, uh... Which I'll get into that in a second. But, anyway. I feel like I would go to school, get a degree, put myself in debt and all this stuff. And then move up to... I know what the... I know what the next position for me is. And so when I when I look at the people who have that next position, I'm like I wouldn't have fun with that. And then the position beyond that, I'm like that'd be fun for that'd be fun for six months, you know, six months a year. Uh, and the positions beyond that, there you know there there's nothing that really has my interest or something that I would want to do forever. So, um, I've decided to take a different route. And um, I don't know if I'll talk about that yet, but. I'll, I'll talk about that soon whenever whenever more of that gets underway because like right now I just got the email back I'm not I can't take the next step until April so there's a lot that's going on with that but um, anyway I'm getting out of there and um, I'm doing something that I'll actually you know enjoy and I feel like I'd really be good at and because here's the thing with me I'm the type of person that if I'm doing the same thing every day, I'm going to get bored as fuck. And like, I can do the same thing, but it has to be, how do I put it? Like a, a good example is like, I don't like going to the gym and, and lifting weights. And it's because I've been lifting weights since middle school. So it's basically the same thing. No matter, no matter how you change your workout or re or, or reorganize like when you when you do what lifts and you know you can change it up to try to keep it fun but at the end of the day you're doing the same thing you're you're lifting you're doing the exact same thing you know so for me like that's why I gravitated towards jujitsu is because even like I'm still doing jujitsu every day but literally no no role with somebody goes the exact same way ever it's always different it's always you're still doing jujitsu at the end of the day, but it's always so different. There's so many possibilities, and it's I mean, regardless, it's still such a good cardio workout. So, I uh, yeah, I've gotten to the point where I'm 
uh, or I had gotten to the point where I was like, I'm done. I can't, you know, I have to force myself to go through the gym. But as far as jujitsu, I, I want to go and I'm pissed when I can't go and all that stuff. So that's the type of person I am. So with my job now, I enjoyed it for so long. You know, I've done it for seven plus years. So like I've I enjoyed it for so long because it was so different. Like the world of psych and like mental health is so different. And so um, each patient has their own thing that, you know, they have their own thing that obviously, you know, it's their own personality, but then they have their own mental health issues. And then how they have those issues is like their own story. Cause most of your mental health stuff comes from um, your up or not most, of it, pretty much all of it comes from your, um, you know, your upbringing, your parents, your, uh, your different things that have happened to you throughout your life. Um, you know, one traumatic event can lead you to uh, depression or PTSD or, you know, whatever it is. So um, every patient is unique individual. They're their own thing. It's so it was interesting to me for like a long time and probably in the past, I don't know, probably in the past, two two between two and three years I would say I've gotten to the point where um you they can't surprise me anymore like I've I, I've definitely not seen it all but I've seen enough to where I won't be surprised by anything nothing can catch me off guard I know how to handle every situation um I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, as you can tell, like right now, I'm struggling to figure out how to explain this to y'all. It's like everything is so unique and individual, like to the to that person, to that patient. But at the end of the day, like my work, as far as like interacting with them and calming them down, and um, you know, getting them to do what I need them to do, or what really what they need to do to benefit them, and doing that type of stuff like getting in getting inside their mind that's a good way to put it so regardless of the patient at this point i know how to get inside to them like reach them make contact with them and get them to do what what they need to do or what i need them to do or whatever um or even even if you know one of the units calls me and they're like hey we need you, we need your help up here and they're like oh this you know this guy I'm just this guy's acting crazy or whatever I go in there there's no like it doesn't matter what he's doing it's not gonna surprise me it's not gonna catch me off guard and no matter what he's doing I probably have an answer for it like I've done it I don't know how to explain it I've done it so much that there's nothing that's new to me anymore and I like new I like things changing from day to day um I don't know between that and, and the fact that I've already kind of reached my peak unless they create some new position for me or something, I've, it kind of, I don't know, it's gotten to the point where I want to chase something that's going to, you know, give me more fulfillment and something I'm going to enjoy doing for a living. So that's what I'm doing in the process of that. I'll talk to y'all more about that and, and get more into it as to, you know, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, that type of stuff. Um, as it gets closer, like I said, I can't even take the the next step until April. So it's kind of 
kind of up in the air right now. Um, if it comes up in another episode, fuck it. We'll just start. We'll, I'll let y'all know. And uh, I really don't have any other reason for not telling y'all other than the fact that I want to kind of get the ball rolling on it more. Um, I'm one of those people that also feels like if you're not doing something, if you're not actively doing something to achieve some, to achieve whatever it is that you want to do, then there's really no point in talking about it. It's all talk. Unless you're do, unless you're actively doing something, you're you're just talking. It's it's you know, it's like if somebody's talking shit to you, saying they're gonna they're gonna I'm gonna beat your ass and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that, but they're if they're not actually doing anything, then they're kind of fucking wasting their time, right? They're just they're just taking up air. So I'm not gonna sit here and talk about what I'm gonna do and if I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. No, I'm gonna work on it and once I get the ball rolling, we'll talk about it. Um, because right now. I'm filling out an application. So if y'all want to hear about an application, let me know. I'll tell you all about an application. That's definitely interesting. That'll keep the listeners involved. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about, just this is whoop, jumping topics. Um, yeah, something, something I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit. Really wanted to talk about it with a guest, but you know how it goes. Um, I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix again. Um, I don't think I've talked about it on here before. I don't think so. I think I watched it before I had a podcast. So I don't know if I talked about it. But um, if I did, whatever. It's been plenty of episodes since then. So we're going to talk about it again. Because I I just rewatched it. Um, If you don't know who Aaron Hernandez is, he was a tight end for the New England Patriots. Just to give a quick description before I get into the documentary. Um, He was a tight end for the New England Patriots. uh, Used to play at the University of Florida. Um, Then he got... He was like a suspect in a murder or something, so he went to trial for it, ended up being found guilty... And then that was kind of all we heard about it. Like all the public heard was, you know, once he was he was found guilty of this murder of one of his friends. And so, of course, it was a big deal because this NFL player, you know, murdered somebody and tried to get away with it, but did a horrible fucking job. I'll get into that. Um, so it was kind of a big deal. But that's kind of all you heard about it was just the one trial. And then that was the end of it. And then. Nobody heard anything else until, you know, he hung himself in his jail cell. But um, what's interesting about the documentary, and the reason I want to bring it up, is because he has... If you watch the documentary, and then you pay attention to... There's another current NFL player who just became a free agent. I'll, I'll tell you who I'm talking about in a minute. There's another current NFL player who has a lot of similarities to Aaron Hernandez. And I'll, I'll tell you why I wanted to talk about this. So, in the documentary, for one, let's let's talk about the documentary itself. For one, this documentary, whoever did it, is kind of a piece of shit. They, I think they ha- didn't have enough footage, and so they just kind of made a story out of nothing. Because if you watch the documentary 
about it's for one super interesting documentary, but it kind of is also it kind of also frustrates you because the entire documentary, if if you want me to break it down very simply and very quickly, basically the documentary says this is who Aaron Hernandez is, played football, had these problems, killed somebody, probably killed somebody because of CTE and or he was gay secretly. Now that's and that's literally the breakdown the the fastest breakdown I can give you of the documentary. Aaron Hernandez, this is how he came up, this is what he did for a living. This is what he went to jail for. He did it because he did it probably because brain trauma and or gay secretly. That's it. That's basically the documentary in a nutshell. And it's so that's why it's, I think the person who did this documentary, the people who did it, kind of pieces of shit because, for one, the guy can't speak for himself because he's dead. So, not that he would, you know, announce that he was gay or anything, but it's a little, to me, it's a little fucked up that they're going to put that out there without him being able to defend himself. And that's kind of the narrative that they paint because some people aren't going to, you know, some people who just enjoy crime shows are going to watch it just because it's a crime documentary, they're going to watch it and be like, oh man, I didn't know Aaron Hernandez was gay. It's like, well, he potentially was gay. There's, they, So, let's start from the beginning. So, he was this football player in Connecticut. Uh, in the documentary, they have this weird guy who like one of his, was one of his high school teammates. They have him and his dad in there who the guy who was his high school teammate was saying that they had a gay relationship like they were having sex with each other and stuff in high school and they didn't want to keep it from or they were trying to keep it from their parents and that led to him being super paranoid and uh that led to Aaron being super paranoid and having anger problems and all that stuff and then uh I don't know they they put too much weight into the gay thing is is my problem they there's no proof of it other than this one guy who says that they were gay together in high school and that's it that's that's the extent of the of him being gay but they're they put so much weight on it saying like this is why he was paranoid and this is why he uh you know he they're saying he would cover would try to cover it up by being super homophobic which you know i've i believe is i I do believe the fact that people some guys who are super homophobic are actually secretly gay so i i get with i i can understand that but um i can understand some that where they come from on that but the fact that they just trust this one guy who said that they were gay together and then you look into the if you look into the um some stories about the his old high school teammate and the dad both of them were the his teammate's dad both of them, when Aaron Hernandez went to jail, kept trying to get interviews with different media sources. This is, and this is from the research that I've done. They were both uh, were hassling media, trying to get them to talk. They wanted to be talked to by the media. So I don't know if they wanted attention for something or what they were doing, but they were reaching out to media to talk to them, and media kept turning them down. So I don't know if they're just if they were trying to. To me, if if you're reaching out to the media, it kind of seems like you you have something that you're trying to gain, 
Like you're trying to gain something by telling this guy's story or telling something about him. And um, I don't know. And it shows, then also in the documentary, it shows another uh, former, excuse me, Patriots player that was gay. He came out. He came out as gay after uh, after he retired, and again they're showing this guy, and he didn't have a relationship with Aaron. Nothing. There's no connection there, other than they played for the same team, but they didn't have a relation. They didn't sleep together. They didn't do anything. He just. They have him kind of telling his side as to how being a gay football player made him how he felt and that type of stuff. So I'm not really. I don't know. I just don't think it's fair. The way that they did this, this is an old documentary, so, I mean, it came out a few years ago, so, you know, I'm not spoiling any secrets or anything or having any extremely hot take on this thing other than the fact I think it's a little bit bullshit to uh, kind of drag this guy. I mean, he did it to himself. He killed somebody. He kind of drug his own name through the mud, but let's be honest, you don't got to add some other shit that might not potentially be true and make that... make that and paint it as the narrative of why he did these things because the bigger story the bigger story is the brain trauma in this guy and this is why I'm so hesitant to let Bentley play football because like for one that kid already he already can't pay attention to anything so the last thing he needs to do is get hit in the fucking head and really you know the the uh, research on brain trauma now is so fucking scary and um Especially if you have like a, especially if you have like a young kid or like you played football and your kid wants to play football or wants to fight or something, you're like, man, it's, it just doesn't seem worth it. It's because it's also such a risk. Like there's some guys who, there's some guys who can play forever, take all the hits, be perfectly fine. Joe Thomas is a great example of that. Uh, Joe Thomas is a former, um, former left tackle, I believe, for the Cleveland Browns. Played like 20 seasons, 21 seasons, something crazy. Played like an insanely long amount of time playing football. He played, by the time he retired, I think he had played as much, like I think half his life was pro football. Like that's how long this guy played. And um, anyway, he, uh, but him, played forever, played offensive line, which is one of the main positions where you're constantly getting hit in the head. Every if you play on the offensive line, you are hitting somebody in the head every single play. Every single play, wide receiver, you're not going to make contact with somebody unless you end up getting the ball, or you're not going to hit heads unless you are blocking or you get thrown the ball. So you're not going to get it every time. The quarterback, you know, unless you get tackled, you're probably not getting hit in the head. But as an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, he or offensive lineman. Um, Joe Thomas got hit in the head every fucking play and ne- and never missed I think he missed one game in his career or something something ridiculous. It was like a big deal that he he finally missed a game. And he um not to mention the practices, the high school football, the practices, the peewee football and the practice. God damn. This dude had had to have been hit in the head I mean hundreds of thousands of times. And that's not an exaggerate. Like he he probably was hit in the head clo- like over half a million times. Uh perfectly fine. No problems at all. As of right now. He he retired a few years ago. As of right now, no problems, no aggression, no memory loss, um no paranoia, nothing that ha- they've seen be linked to CTE. He has none of it. He's fine. 
And he's not the only one. There's plenty of guys who play football and they're perfectly fine. Shit, a classmate of mine, um, classmate of mine, Alex Caesar. He played, um, you know, played Pee Wee, played high school, played, uh, played college, took plenty of hits to the head. Uh, play, he was a running back too, so for a long time he just r- didn't know anybody. Ran his head straight into people, so he got hit in the head plenty of times. He's one of the most well-spoken, uh, well-educated guys, super smart guy, friendly, great dude, no problems. For whatever reason, some people, not everybody's brain works the same way. And, you know, you take, you could take a fraction of the amount of hits as somebody else and you just never recover the same way. And um, that's, that's what they found with Aaron Hernandez. When the time, by the time he died, so he, by the time he died, he uh, was 27 years old and they said he had the worst case of brain trauma they had ever seen for somebody his age. And they test and I, the lady that did, I forgot how many brain it said how many brains she's looked at, and they said he had one of the worst cases they'd ever seen. And I mean, yeah, he played, you know, Pee Wee, high school, college, pro. So he's he took plenty of hits, but I don't know. The bigger story, I guess, I guess the reason it kind of bothered me is because the bigger story is not that maybe he was secretly gay and that's why he killed somebody. I think it was more the the issues that brain trauma caused for him because all his friends would say he was his friends and family and his girlfriend everybody would say he's super paranoid all the time. Uh, he was buying guns and stuff because he would always think somebody's like trying to get him or get something from him. And I think that uh, more than anything had to do with the brain trauma and the fact that uh, he hung around. You know, a weird crowd. His mom, his mom's a piece of shit. She, she was always asking him for money, and like so, he he kind of always had people wanting something from him. And I guess that kind of imprint. That's what's so dangerous about mental health. Something that you interact with all the time will can like you might not realize what it's doing to you, but something that you constantly come across will always, like, will eventually make an imprint on you. And it's, like, I'll I'll give you some personal examples. Um, The sound of a doorbell stresses me out. sound of a doorbell kind of make my heart race a little. And I can't stand when somebody's late. I can't stand being late, and I can't stand uh, somebody being late for something that we have to do together. And I'll explain why these things are. So, the people being late thing is because and I I've I mean there's no I have nothing to back this other than this is the only thing that makes sense to me it was as a kid uh when my dad was supposed to come pick me up as a kid from my mom's to go do, you know spend time with him or do whatever I would look forward to it so much and then he would always either be late or not come at all and so when and I that happened to me for Years, you know, sometimes and sometimes don't get me wrong. Sometimes he would come, he'd do exactly what he's supposed to do. So I'm not saying that, but very often he would be late or he would not come at all. And when those things happen that long, I think that's why I can't stand when people are late, or and I can't stand myself to be late. I'm I'm early for everything. I'm as early as I can be, um, you know, within reason. I'm I try to be early for everything and be on time and be you know. 
uh, considerate of people who are are counting on me for things. Um, and then the doorbell thing. So the doorbell is because for the past seven years of my life now, seven plus years. Uh, so the way my work is, is, I work in the intake department. So I get people as soon as they come in to my work that, you know, they're not happy to be there. They're on drugs. They sometimes have weapons, uh, all that type of stuff. They and their psych patients. Sometimes they're just fucking crazy. And so the ambulance would back in or the police would bring patients to the back door. They bring them in and you hear the, you hear the ambulance backing up or, or whatever. And then when they, to let you know that they're ready to bring the patient in, they would ring a doorbell. And I'd never been stressed out by doorbells ever. And then just recently in the past, probably, probably in the past year, I started noticing, noticing my heart would race when the doorbell would ring. And I was like, why the fuck? Why is this? Because I might even like I wouldn't even know who's at the door. It would like at my own house. I wouldn't know who's at the door. I'm not expecting somebody or even if I was expecting somebody, I would try to get to the door before the doorbell would ring because it would stress me out. And the only thing I can think is that it's because for seven plus years now, that doorbell at my work has been a sign of there's a psych patient outside. You're about to get in an argument. You're about to get cussed out. You're about to get in a fight. Uh, you're about to get somebody going to pull a knife on you, whatever the case is. For seven plus years now, that's been that's been my life. My life has been you hear that you hear the beeping of an ambulance. Your patient's here. You need to get ready. The doorbell rings. Now they're really waiting. Now they're really here. They're waiting on you. You're about to get in some sort of shit, some sort of argument, some sort of fight, something. It's They're waiting on you. It's happening. Go. And so now it started to kind of stress me out a little bit dealing with the, uh, dealing with the um, doorbell thing. Not like it, but not like it affects me. It's just like I, I will feel my heart like skip a beat or kind of heartbeat will uh my heart beat will go up or whatever you know no big deal but the point is when you encounter something enough it'll it can make an imprint on you and i think that's more of the moral of the story what happened with aaron hernandez like his own mom was always trying to get something from him he was hanging around um sketchy people who were always trying to get money from him get him to pay for things because he was you know professional athlete like and he was always like the you know, the big shot around school and all this stuff. And even in college, you know, I'm sure he was getting paid under the table and all that stuff like college athletes do. And, um, yeah, he was always, he got this state of paranoia for whatever reason and was always thinking people were out to get him. I think that is more of the story than him being secretly gay. Allegedly. I, I don't know. That bothers the shit out of me that, these people can just kind of put that out there and really have no proof other than this one guy saying, yeah, this is, we did this in high school. Nobody knows about it except for me and the guy who's dead now. So anyway, but the paranoia and all that type of stuff and the erratic behavior, if you, if you are interested in a, in a, you know, pretty good crime documentary, that's also a little weird, but, um, Watch that one, but then do me a favor. Watch it, and then pay attention to the actions of Antonio Brown. Pay attention to what Antonio Brown does. He has he does a lot of very erratic things, 
a lot of weird, aggressive stuff, uh, paranoia. Like he said the other day, the only reason Tom Brady is my friend is because I'm good at football. Like that's that's paranoia. That's paranoia sitting there saying why somebody's your friend. Unless Tom Brady sat there and said, I'm only your friend because you're good at football, he has no reason to sit there and say that. Tom Brady let him spend the night at his, like let him live at his house. He didn't let him live at his house because he's good at football. Tom Brady's not letting every all his teammates live at his house. He let him live at his house and only him. So I think it's unfair for Antonio Brown to say he's only doing that because I'm good at football. I don't know. To me, that's a little bit of a paranoia. You know, he's played football forever. I feel like Antonio Brown has some CTE, some serious CTE problems going on. And I'm not saying he's going to go off and kill somebody like Aaron Hernandez did, but he's got a. If you watch the documentary and then think about and pay attention to some of the stuff that Antonio Brown does, there's a uh, a lot of kind of disturbing connections that you can pick up on, and it's a. Uh, I don't know. I think somebody needs the reason I say that I I feel like somebody needs to get to him before um he does something stupid before he kills himself or uh they just need to check on him because like regardless of regardless of whatever happened with him in Tampa with him in the Buccaneers where he ended up running off the field and um running off the field, stripping off his pads, cussing at his teammates, all that type of shit. Um, regardless of all whatever happened for him to do all that, at the end of the day, you're a professional. Every other athlete knows. Every other professional athlete knows. Just fucking sit the rest of the game out. No matter what happens, it's all about your image. Like a team is not going to want to take a chance on you if they see that's how you're going to behave. So, for him to do that, it's kind of like. You kind of self-sabotage. It's like, it's self-sabotage is what it was. It's like, dude, you can't sit there and do that. And then he goes, and then he's on a podcast. And then this fuck, this fucking dude, he's on a podcast two or three days later saying, oh yeah, I'm playing football next year. It's like, dude, you're probably not, man. You're probably not. Not after doing some shit like that. This is the world you live in, man. The NFL does not fuck around when it comes to that stuff. In... This is, you know, lesser known fact. In every NFL contract, in every single NFL contract, they have a they have a um, little stipulation thing that says that you can be fined or um, have your contract voided or some. I forgot the wording of it, but I know you can be fined and all kinds of shit for um, conduct detrimental to the team. Which, at that point, is that you know, it's a. Let's be honest. In lawyer terms, conduct detrimental to a team is a brilliant um, is a brilliant wording and stipulation to put into these contracts because, really, if you do anything the team doesn't like, they can find a way to say that something is conduct detrimental to the team. If you're skipping, if you're skipping workouts, they can be like, okay, the way you're skipping workouts, that's not you're not helping the team that's conduct detrimental to the team or if you're um if you I forgot there was one um I forgot there was one a, a few years ago I heard that they that this guy he oh like Earl okay here's a here's a good example um 
even though I don't I don't know the full story of it, but I know um, Earl Thomas. You know, and I'm not talking shit on Earl. I like Earl. I like his brother Seth. You know, good guys. But when Earl got in that fight, when he was playing for Baltimore and he got in a fight in the uh, he got in a fight at practice, they that was one of the things they said when they released him or whatever they did. They said it was because of conduct detrimental to the team. Now, that whole thing, thats I've got my own take on that, but we'll, that's, I'll save it for another time. Um, so, you know, if, if you kind of, in the NFL, if you get labeled a distraction or uh, you kind of get released from a couple teams from, for, for, uh, for conduct detrimental to the team, it's pretty hard for you to get your way back. Like, you have to be a fucking stud. You have to be an animal. You have to be in Antonio Brown to to find your way back. So the fact that he's had all the opportunities he's had after the the allegations with the housekeeper, the um, all the the skip, all the shit he did with um, the Raiders. I forgot. I forgot what the fuck. Um, I know he did something with the Raiders. He oh he threw a fit over a helmet like he wanted to wear his own helmet. That wasn't approved by the NFL. Like, he just... He's always doing something. He's always doing something, causing fucking problems. And, um... And then, just to go back to my point about how he's got some of these same similarities and paranoia stuff as, um... Aaron Hernandez. With the thing with Tampa Bay, when he came back to the Buccaneers, they said when he... He... Because he... Faked a vaccine, faked, got a fake vaccination card, which you know, it, it is what it is on that. Got a fake vaccination card. It got he got busted for it, and so he got suspended, like three, four games, something like that. In that time, he got suspended three or four games. He came back, and he was he was paranoid, thinking that the team didn't like him and they didn't want him on the team. Because he felt they should have stood up for him more whenever that happened. Which is absurd to say because it's like, dude, you faked it. Like, this isn't the team that suspended you. The NFL suspended you. You can't, like, you you can't blame the team. Like, the team kind of had his hands tied. You did something wrong. You got suspended for it. Just take your suspension and come back. He thought the team should have had his back more, and he was uh, apparently it ruined his relationship with the Buccaneers. Whatever. To me, that that paranoia that's a huge fucking red flag. It's like it's like he's not living in like reality. It's almost like he's not seeing things for what they really are. And he, um, anyway, he goes on that podcast two or three days later, whatever. After he did all that shit, and he says. Yeah, oh, I'm definitely going to play football next year. And it's like, no, well, no, you're not. Not unless you, you know, pretend to be on a different path again, which he's done three or four times now. He's always pretend to have gotten his life together and all these things. So it's like, okay, the only way you're even potentially getting back in there is you're going to have to go to some shitty fucking team. I don't see, like, you don't see, I don't see any way, excuse me, I don't see any way where, um, 
like a well put together organization allows him back on. Like you just don't want the distraction in the locker room. It's not good for the team. It's not good for the chem, uh, team chemistry. Uh, to have somebody who's not bought in, like in order to get a team to the Super Bowl, like you have, they all have to be on the same page. And when that's why that's why it's such a, it's kind of like if you label somebody a distraction, you're kind of killing their career by doing that. So, and that's what he is. He did it to himself. But the, to me, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the fact that he thinks he's playing next year and thinks like no big deal. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm I'm gonna play next year. It's like man. Do you not realize like what you're fucking doing? I don't. I don't know if anybody can do it. He can do it because he's just that damn good at football. But I just don't. I I don't know. I just don't see it happening. And some of the um. And like I said, the real reason I bring this up is I think somebody needs to check him out. And I think when it's all said and done, they're gonna find out that he has um some serious CTE problems. And, um, yeah, it's a scary fucking thing. Because sometimes you see, you know, there's definitely some um, some really fucked up, sad cases. Um, The worst one, God, the fucking worst one. If y'all haven't heard of this guy, he, for one, NFL legend. NFL legend. His name is Junior Seau. Uh, last name is like S-E-A-U or something like that. He was a linebacker for the Chargers animal he was so fucking good everybody loved him super nice guy and um he you know NFL player had CTE and was fine you know really didn't show too many signs of anything um really didn't show too many signs of having CTE or memory problems, nothing like that. Um, but he started getting, he started having depression at some point towards the end. He started getting depressed. It just kind of wasn't being himself. Like he loved, he was, I think, I want to say he was Hawaiian, but anyway, he loved to surf. I know that he was in California. He lived in California. He loved to surf. And that's what his wife, his wife said. That's when she knew something was seriously wrong with him. Cause he would go out and every morning he would go out and surf for, you know, few hours whatever and she said one day he went out he he had like a beach house and and uh his wife said that she knew something was bad and something bad was going to happen because one day he went out you know went out like he always did to go surf and then she looked outside like however long later and he was just sitting in the sand just looking at the water she was like well that's not that's weird that's not like him you know whatever And she went about her business came back later and he was still doing the same thing he still was sitting there. He'd been sitting there for like hours just looking at the water. And so she was like, that's not like him. Like he never went surfing that day. Apparently him not surfing was like a huge red flag to her, but she didn't know what to do about it. And um, he ended up killing himself. But this is why, I mean, for one, he killed himself. So it's already sad. But this is the type of guy that he was. He knew something was wrong and he knew... He, I guess, had heard about CTE or whatever. And so what he did when he killed himself, he shot himself in the chest. And he said, he, I think he left a note. Um, But he, yeah, I'm pretty sure he left a note. And he said, uh, well, he had to, because there's no way he told somebody this. 
but he um so he left a note and he had said that he wanted them to study his brain so he shot himself in his chest to save his brain so that people could study it that's the you know type of guy he is and then there's another guy um i think his name was Derek thomas i th- believe his name is Derek thomas he I, hopefully i'm not saying the wrong guy and throwing this guy's name uh you know, dragging this guy's name through the mud, but it was a. I remember it was a linebacker for the Chiefs. Why am I sitting here guessing when I have a phone in my hand? I can literally look it up. Um. Anyway, linebacker for the Chiefs, and he. Derek. Thomas. Let me. I'm sorry. Let me look this up. Make sure this is the right guy. Um. Derek Thomas. Ooh, this might not have been him. Oh, nope. Wrong guy. Wrong guy. Let's not uh let's not say that Derek Thomas fucking did that. For sure don't say that. Um Chiefs linebacker. Javon Belcher. Not even close. Okay, so Javon Belcher is the guy I'm thinking of. Another guy. Um, anger problems, whatever. Killed his girlfriend, drove up to the Chiefs Stadium and killed us and killed himself, or to the not the stadium, the uh, training facility, and fucking killed himself. Another guy was CTE. I don't know. Anyway, stuff is fucking scary, and as a parent, it makes you just like, you know, it makes you realize like you see how people become those those quote unquote helicopter parents. Because you, the last thing you want is, I mean, if you're a good parent, the last thing that you fucking want is to, tr- you know, you don't want to rob your kid of these, of these experiences of uh, playing sports and uh, exposing them to all the different, you know, people from different walks of life that they're going to meet while playing sports and all that type of, like, you don't want to rob that from them, but you don't want to put them in a situation where, you know, they might potentially end up having some serious mental health problems and even, you know, uh, really it's all mental health problems, what it is, paranoia, um, all this stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's just the brain's a fragile thing and it's not, it's really just doesn't seem worth the risk. But apparently there now there's a gene you can test for. And if you have, if you have this gene, you're less susceptible to brain trauma. So, you know, take that for what it is. But, um, yeah, there's stuff like that. It just makes you realize, like, there's, like, a, such a fine line with uh, when you're a parent, like, trying to figure out what's what's acceptable, what's not, what you can allow your kid to do. Um, I heard the best. I heard the best advice period or probably not period I've heard the best advice that I've heard in a long time the other day and it was talking about same thing like letting your kids do things but you can't let them you know you can't be a helicopter parent but you can't just let them go fucking sell drugs and shit you know what I mean like there's there's definitely a balance to it that you gotta find and um the the saying was something along the lines of it was like uh you do not interfere with your kids when they're doing dangerous things carefully. Something like that. It's like, don't, 
don't interfere with them. Yeah, don't interfere with them doing dangerous things carefully. So, you know, I guess that's one of those. It's I guess that that saying is kind of like a because it's kind of confusing. So I guess that's kind of like porn. Like you don't know like or something that's like inappropriate. Like you don't know what it is until you see it. You know what I mean? It's like you don't know the right porn video until you till you see it. It's kind of the same thing, I'd assume. It's like dangerous things carefully. What the fuck does that mean? Like sh- shooting fireworks? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know a good example to give you to give y'all, but uh, I feel like watching your kids do dangerous things carefully is something like once you see it, you're like, this is a time I can I can kind of let them do their thing like I guess well I guess I can give an example because I, I kind of have been doing this with Bentley he's trying to learn how to ride a bike right now because for when he's seven and I feel like I was riding a bike before that and he just has not had a bike or he had one but he never showed any interest in it and then uh so we we got him one for Christmas and it's one of those things where I was like you know what I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna let him know right off the bat. You're gonna fall. It's okay. You just keep trying. You know whatever. And we've been practicing. I've been letting him like go down the driveway, and I'll I'll stand in the road to like help him. You know, not get hit by cars and shit. But uh, you know, as he's going down, he's like about to fall over. And instead of being that helicopter parent and jumping out and like catching him from falling, I kind of just let him fall. You know, I guess that's doing dangerous things carefully. I I don't know. Um. Also, let him get. We had, I guess, another example would be a. Uh, we had a slip and slide, and I realize I've realized like I've, I'm a bit of a helicopter parent as far as like. You you need to. That's the best way to learn. That's that that's why I, I'm talking about this because I feel like it's the. It's a very important thing to learn. Is like you have to. You have to, fuck up, and you have to do things wrong and you have to hurt yourself and uh, put yourself in tough situations to, to learn that that's the best way uh, to me. That's the best way to learn. And, um, I've realized like with Bentley, like I've, he's never, I'm always there to stop it before. Like I'm very like proactive. Like I stop it. I stop it before it happens. And, um, you know, or I, I, I let him know, like, hey, this is what is probably going to happen, but, you know, you can do it. If you, I tell him, I, I do tell him, you can do it if you want, but this is probably what's going to happen, you know, whatever. And he always listens. He just doesn't do it. So, you know, a while back I was kind of sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, you know, in the in a safe way, I need to let him get hurt more often. Like, I need to, I need to let him scrape his knees up, fall down, scrape his hands, uh, get dirty, you know, step, you know, step on something, hurt your foot. Like I got to let him do these things. Um, Cause if I'm, if I'm doing all the paying attention to these hazards for him, then, you know, he's, he's never going to know that he has to look out for it for himself. And so, um, you know, I guess I interpreted that thought and took it as let's get the, um, Let's get a water slide out, put a boogie board on it, and I'm going to teach him how to run and jump and land on it with your feet. You know, because I knew what was going to happen. I knew damn well. He's going to jump on it, and it's gonna his feet are going to slide in front of him, and he's going to fall back and hit his butt and land on his back, maybe knock the breath out of him. But he'll 
you know, he'll have fun with it, and eventually he's going to learn that you have to lean forward. And he did this dude, this little kid, he sat there and did it and fell on his ass. I mean, I don't know, a hundred plus times. And he did. He he got better at it and was able to ride it most of the way down the. Um, he was able to ride it most of the way down the uh, slip and slide by the end of it. But that type of shit, I think, is important. Like I I'll, I will say, like I've never learned the best lesson I've ever learned. The best thing that I've ever went through, as far as like in my life, was the worst time of my life. The in the as it was happening, it was the worst fucking part of my life and it was so hard and so scary and I didn't know what to do but I figured it out and it literally was the best thing that was the best thing that could have happened to me and it was um, when I'll tell that story real quick I guess and I'll wrap this podcast up it was um, I was like 19 I'd just gotten uh, I just found out Bentley's mom was pregnant with him and I was like bartending slash waiting tables at Fuzzy's Taco Shop at the time. And, um, you know, she told, you know, she told me she was pregnant or whatever. And I was like, all right, you know, at the time I was cool about it. I was like, I'll, I'll you know, we'll figure it out. No big deal. And then, cause like in my mind, I'm like, I have a job, like I have a job and a place to live. And I was like, we're good. We're good. We have, I have a supportive family. Like we'll figure it out. It's not a big deal. But then it was like, all in that time, like from, from the time of me, like finding out she was pregnant to the time that like I got my shit together was like, it wasn't long. That's the thing. It, it was a long to go through because it was like, fuck, I'm trying to think of how many months it was. Um, shit. Maybe it was, maybe it was eight months. But realistically, like, eight months is not that much time. And, um, it's really not that much time. It's something like that. But anyway, what happened was, so the way that it all transpired was she told me, told me she was pregnant. You know, I was cool, kind of calm about it, surprisingly, for a 19-year-old that, you know, thought he had a fucking job and everything was going to be okay. She told me that, and it was probably three days later. I got uh, my first, what was supposed to be my first full paycheck from Fuzzies. And I remember it was $182. And I remember getting that check and I was like kind of excited, like kind of smiling to myself, getting ready to open it. And I open it and I see 182 bucks. And I was just like, holy fuck, this is a huge problem. Because I was working like part time. And then I, I don't know, it was just a weird thing. And uh, I remember immediately, like before, I just kind of sat in, I remember sitting in the parking lot of Fuzzies in Orange which it's not there anymore, but I remember sitting there thinking to myself, like, dude, this, you can't do this. Like, you cannot keep doing this. You've got to do something to take care of this. And, um, so, like, I told her, I told her I was, you know, I need a new job and blah, blah, blah. Right around this time, it was also, like, the time that, like, um, my mom and, uh, my mom and her husband were splitting up so they split up and she moved out. He kept the house. So then I didn't. Ha- so then now we also don't have a place to stay because she's moved out and I can't. I'm not going to go live with her. I think she. I forgot where she moved at the time. But anyway, I wasn't going to go live with her. 
couldn't live with him because he's my now ex stepdad. So it's awkward and a little weird. So I had to find a place to stay, had to uh, get a new job, had a baby on the way. So it's like, you got to figure it out quick. And in that time, I was like, in that short amount of time, like I found, you know, the job I have now, found, you know, a way to afford, you know, got that job, you know, was able to get my own place, my own apartment, whatever, had the baby, took care of that. And then literally it was like, it's a, it sounds like a, like I'm shortening it up, but during that time, it was fucking miserable. It was so fucking hard, so scary. Didn't know what to do with any of it. And then, but it like taught me how to fucking work and like how to like get shit done and make sacrifices and, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, without going through the hard shit like that, there's no way I'd have fucking... Like, or there's no way I would have done it as fast. Growing up as fast and learned how to do stuff as fast. It's like, that's what you gotta do. Like, sometimes the fucking hard shit is like... It just sucks. It's gonna suck for a little bit. I don't know. That's the best way to put it. It's just it's gonna suck for a little while. Because, like, eight months might seem like a long time to somebody, but, like... Think about like however however old you are. However old you are. If you're fucking 20. If you're t- 20 years old, you've already, you know, you've already lived through 240 months and it's gone by in a blink of an eye. So what is eight more months? You know what I mean? Like it's it's no big deal. But uh say I guess it's, I guess the reason I bring that shit up is cuz same th- I've started to realize the same thing with your kids. Or same thing with with my kids. Or my son is like um I've got to, I've got to quit being that helicopter and taking care of everything for him. I need him to struggle. I need him to struggle and go through things on his own. And uh, I don't know. I think it's important. Anyway, I'm not even sure what all I talked about in this episode. But CT is bad. Struggle is good. I do know those two things. And Aaron Hernandez is probably not gay. That's another one. Anyway. Be on the lookout. If, like I said, let me talk to, talk about it again. If you want a rash guard, compression shirt, whatever the fuck you want to call it, if you want one, get with me. Get with Ruben Wolfton MMA, whatever. Fuller's House Wolfton MMA collab on the rash guards. If you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner, we have um, we're coming out with the ranked ones. I think we're coming out with them today, the same day or Monday. I don't even know how to put this. I don't know, not everybody listens to it on Monday. By the time this episode is out, the ranked rash guards should be posted. We'll say that. Or if they're not, they'll be posted soon. Um, so rash guards, if you want one, if you want to support the podcast and help and help me and help the gym. Um, Fight Companion Podcast, January 22nd. Your boy's birthday. Yeah, that's it. That's all that's happening. What's going on? See y'all next week. I'm out.